Welcome back to the barn. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, this is going to be a shorter episode, kind of just covering a few things that we need to address when it comes to kind of this springtime. Not too cold, not too hot. We're not fat cattle yet, but we're we're past feeder cattle age, um, kind of this in-between area and, and what we need to be doing this time of year. As always, email back to the barn at gmail.com with your questions. Uh, I've been answering a lot of those on, on email, and, and we're going to have some episodes coming out uh, answering some of those questions that we got. If you got any topics you want to hear, um, any questions you want to hear on the, on the episodes, um, hit those up. This, this episode's going to address some of those questions. So if you've been asking questions on, on the email and, and uh, haven't got a reply, your answer might be in this podcast right here. With that, we'll get started. Um, to start out with, we're going to talk about feeding a little bit. Um, I'm going to start by talking about feeding our steers or market heifers, if we're showing market heifers. Any market um, cattle that, that we're going to show as a fat calf towards the end of summer or early fall, um, what what do we need to be feeding that calf? What, what feeding problems do we need to address now? What problems are going to come ahead in the future that uh, we can help ourselves out by being a little proactive and covering right now? And the main one is is the amount of feed. This seems to be the time of year we kind of get lackadaisical or we don't think about it every day about where our calf is. They, they look big. They look like they got cover on them. So we kind of just keep going on with the norm and, and don't, don't look down the road, don't look in the future enough to um, maybe stop some problems that, that are about to arise or, or maybe will arise. Um, and the best way to, to address some of that is to really evaluate where your calf is today, evaluate, um, his weight, her weight compared to the amount of days we got left before we're going to be at that fat show. We're close enough now that we can do some calculations and, and get a pretty good idea what that calf is going to weigh. We talked about this a little bit before back in February when um, we had some podcasts about feeding, feeding our calves. And we talked about figuring out how many days we got left and how many pounds a day they've been gaining and then using that to figure out a rough idea of what that calf's going to weigh. Now we're close enough that we're going to have a pretty good idea what that calf's going to weigh. Um, you know, it, it's still going to vary, you know, maybe 25 pounds either way or, or possibly 50 pounds either way, depending on where your calf's maturity is and when you're going to finish. But, you know, if you're, if you're less than 150 days from when that calf's going to be fat, uh, you should have a pretty good idea by sitting down and doing some calculations on, on where that calf's going to finish out at. And the main thing to do is, is get, get a calculator and count the amount of days you got left. You know what? I'm going to use 100 days um, as kind of an instance here. Uh, let's say it's, a, it's 100 days till I want my calf fat. That first fat show we're going to go to or my county fair that we're going to go to or the state fair I'm going to go to is uh, let's just say it's 120 days away. And uh, that gives me 100 days to get that calf where it needs to be. I'm going to give myself a 20-day window that kind of gives you some leeway that hopefully in 100 days we're exactly where we need to be. We hit that weight that calf needs to be. And I've got 20 days. We can just kind of go on a maintenance rash and maybe keep pushing him a little bit if we think he's got more room to go. Um, but if I have have days that get behind or weeks where it's hot or weeks where it's muddy and the calf doesn't gain very well, that 20 day window will give me some leeway so that I can still get that calf to a finish weight, um, without pushing it right up to the day we show having to push them every day all summer long. Um, and I think 20 days is, is plenty. If you give yourself two weeks, even 10 days of leeway at this point, you, you probably have enough leeway to make the calf 
go where he needs to go weight-wise. Um, well, let's just say, for instance, I'm going to use 100 days. And I'm going to take my calf and I'm going to scale him today. And he weighs 1,100 pounds. 1,100 pounds, I feel like I'm pretty close, you know. Uh, but uh, you may not realize that that 1,100 pounds that feels good today in, in another month and a half might not feel that great if he doesn't keep gaining or if it gets hot out. Um, so get a weight on your calf today. Figure out how many days you got left. 1,100 pound calf, got 100 days left. If I look back, count days from the last weight and he's been gaining two and a half pounds a day um, and I can get him to continue to gain two and a half pounds a day, that's a 1,350 pound calf. That's right where I want to be. My calf's, you know, a mid-frame calf, 1,350 pounds would be great. Give myself 100 days to keep pushing him, keep putting it on. And uh, I give myself a 20-day window. I might have him at 1360 maybe by the end, um, somewhere in that range. That'd be right where I want to be. But if I've got an 1,100-pound calf today and I've got a large frame calf and I feel like my calf needs to weigh 1,450 pounds, well, that means I better get on the ball right now. Um, we've got about 45 days left of good growing weather, um, early enough in the maturity of the calf that, that really – putting weight on is, is easier for them that I better get it in gear right now and get some more feed to that calf. If I've, if I've got that larger frame calf that needs to be 1,450 pounds um, to get where he needs to be, or if I have a small frame calf and he's weighing that 1,100 pounds, um, I might need to think about my feed and look at it so that I don't get that calf overdone so that I can get to that 1,250 pounds 1,280 pounds of a really moderate calf um, and, and get to that point and then moderate them and keep them from getting over fat and, and ugly looking and over matured where we have structural issues and things like that. So sit down with your own calves, look at the amount of days you got left, give yourself some window in there. You know, don't, if you're showing on a Thursday, the first week of August, um, don't plan on having them to the exact weight you want that Thursday because I guarantee you, you're going to have weeks when that calf is sick or you're going to have weeks when it's 100 degrees and the wind's blowing and that calf just doesn't want to eat. Um, or you're going to have issues between now and then with, with seasons changing, with heat on the way, no matter what part of the country you're in, um, no matter how good a cooler you got or how good you are about rinsing your calves and keeping cool, we're still going to have hot weeks when... Um, that calf is just not going to eat the best. And we're also going to have a point. Um, hopefully we've done our job up to now. We've got a pretty mature calf. We've got a calf that's got carrying a good amount of weight um, for the amount of frame they have. Um, and we're not way behind and, and we're going to hit a maturity point. We're going to hit a plateau in their growth when they may eat the same amount of pounds a day, but they're not putting as much on because they're, they're getting too far into their maturity they're getting to that point where uh, they quit putting on a lot of weight every day and uh, focus more of their energy on just putting a fat cover on and, and putting some mass on and getting that finished look we need to compete at a fat show. So keep those things in mind as you're thinking about today, what you're going to feed your calf, thinking about the next um, 45 days or are going to be pretty important for us to think about right now and, and sit down and make a plan for where each of our calves are going to sit, where we want them to finish at. I'd suggest you really take a hard look at your calves. It's easy to say I want to be in the 1,350-pound weight class because everybody wins in the 1,350-pound weight class. If you've got a calf that needs to be 1,400 pounds, I think it's more important that your calf weighs what they need to weigh than you trying to hit a certain class or a certain weight. And that's really just down to you spending time with your calves, evaluating them, evaluate where they started at four months ago, five months ago, six months ago to where they are today, what kind of frame size they have, what kind of bone shape they have, and what your availability is there for weight. Um, some calves come up by it very easily. Other calves are kind of a struggle to put weight on this time of year. So kind of evaluate on a calf by calf basis. Figure out, you know, uh, give yourself a 50-pound range that you'd like to hit. 
um, treat each calf as an individual, evaluate each calf as an individual. I know I, I hear some people say, well, we got two kids and we don't want them to be in the same class. So we're going to hold this one back and we're going to push this one. If that's not suited for those calves' genetics and their body type and their frame size, then by holding and pushing, we may be shooting ourselves in the foot. I think it's better to say, you know, these calves need to be, they both need to be 1380 to compete for their frame size. Get them both to 1380 and let them both compete and let the judge decide um, where they sit. I think um, sometimes we overcomplicate things on, on, where they where they need to finish in our minds versus where they need to finish in the calf's actual makeup of their their structural breakdown and the and their amount of muscle and the amount of fat they can put on. Um, so that's my big suggestion: is let the calves speak for themselves. Let their body shapes dictate to you how much they feed they need, where they need to sit. Um, don't let it be the other way around. Because generally, I think you know you you're only holding your calf back by uh, putting them in a box. I think if you let them dictate what what size they need to be, what weight they need to be, um, you're a lot better off and have a better finished project. Um, the other part of that um, is kind of what, what what kind of feed, what what uh, what finished feed are we going to switch to? Do we need to switch to a finished feed? Um, and that's kind of on a case-by-case basis as well. There's lots of good finished feeds out there. Um, there's a lot of good grower feeds that you can feed right up to the end and, and they have enough energy in them and they're not too high in protein that you can get a good cover on your calf. Um, I think that's kind of the same thing. You know, generally when we talked before about getting a good a good grower developer bag for our calves to eat and, and uh, as long as we have a good balanced bag that, that most cattle are going to do pretty well on that bag. Um, that's, that's pretty good for, for earlier in the year. When we get towards later in the year, calves usually kind of separate themselves on, on what they need from us as far as their, the breakdown of their feed. I think that, um, the age of the calves makes a big difference. Um, if you've got one calf that's a January calf and one calf that's a, um, April calf, uh, that April calf might need a finishing feed and, and the January might not. Um, you know, you kind of have to evaluate the maturity of your calf and uh, make feedy decisions from there. My big thing with the finished feed is making sure that we're still following those same principles that we know works for feeding cattle. And that's a well-balanced, diverse feedstuff bag of feed. So if we're getting a finishing feed... And it's still got multiple whole grains in it. It's still got a balance. It's still getting protein from multiple sources and energy from multiple sources and fiber from multiple sources. That's going to be a good finishing feed. If, if we're going to a finishing feed and the only difference between the finishing feed and the growing feed we've been on is they dumped a bunch more oil in there, that's not a very balanced feed. Um, if they just took the feed we've been feeding and quadrupled the nut, the amount of corn in it and now we've got a bag that looks like it's 90 percent corn that's probably not a very balanced finishing feed um so that's my big thing is is if you're going to a finishing feed evaluate that that feed just like we did talked about before and and making sure that it's a well balanced it's a feed that you know on a 100 degree day that calf is still going to go and eat and it's still going to be good on his stomach it's still going to give him all the things he needs to grow and develop it maybe just is in a different makeup than a grower feed and the main thing you'll see when you start evaluating some feed tags is generally a finishing feed is is changed in in two ways sometimes three ways but generally, you're going to have a lower protein amount. You're going to have a higher energy amount. And fiber can vary. Some bags um, seems like they get away with keeping the fiber a little bit higher. Um, other bags, to get the energy they need and to drop the amount of protein, sometimes you'll see that 
that fiber drop as well. Um, generally, you're not going to see a 30% fiber finishing feed. Just because the amount of energy we need to get in that bag to get a get a fat cover on that calf is uh, is sometimes not conducive to also keeping the fiber at a high level. With that, a, a good option for a lot of people, and it's going to depend on what grower feed you got and and how your calves are growing on it right now. Sometimes the easiest and simplest solution. When we're trying to change our feed to get a get a finished feed without um, completely throwing our calf off the feed and completely going to something new is is simply just to to add some more feed stuffs to the to the bags we've already got. You know, if if we've got feed that our calves are doing well on, it's a grower feed. It's labeled as a grower developer feed. Um, but our calves are just doing really well on it. They, they've been growing well. They've got a good amount of muscle. They've got a good amount of fill. Um, they, they're starting to get some fat cover already. We feel like we're in a really good place, but we want to be a little bit ahead of schedule. Um, a really good option is just go get yourself a bag of rolled barley and a bag of rolled corn and add you, add you a quarter cup of barley and a quarter cup of corn or uh, sometimes you can get by with just adding barley. Basically just making a minor change to that feed to up the amount of energy a little bit. We need to get that calf to be fat by the end of summer. We know that. So we got to have an excess of energy for them to put fat cover on. Barley can do it. Corn can do it. Um, there's some very good liquid supplements out there that provide oils that will help up the energy um but you can go to your feed store and, and they probably got some or you can go online and order some um steamrolled barley some steamrolled corn uh some fresh rolled corn something like that even uh even steam pressed corn um something that that we can add a small amount to that calf's diet we can start upping it a little bit every day. You know, like I said, if you take take a regular cup out of the kitchen, fill it about a quarter full of each, dump in with his feed, mix it in good, give it to him. He probably won't notice a difference. It'll still smell the same. It'll still have the same texture. And, uh, and then the next day we can add a quarter cup. And then maybe uh, a few days later, we're, we're given half a cup of each. And then a few days later, we're given a full cup of each. We can do that for 60 days and kind of evaluate where we're at. If, uh, you know, if we're not getting the gains we need, then we can, we can see about maybe changing to a fat feed or a finished feed. But generally, if you've got a feed that's working really well for you, um, it's, it's got your calves where you need them, but we know those calves are going to be hot this summer. They're going to, they're going to need more energy to get, get that fat cover developed. Just simply going to the feed store and getting a simple bag of, of rolled barley, and uh and some rolled corn we can add a small amount of that every day get the calf used to it little by little um, we can get by with with the same bags we've been feeding the same feed he's been eating really good and uh and get that finished product um, if you feel like your feed you're on now doesn't have where you need to be um definitely i think the the best and easiest solution is use the same company you've been using, see what they've got for, for a finished feed. Reason being is if I've been on a grower, grower developer for the last six months and the calf likes it and I go to a new company that's unrelated, it's going to smell different. It's going to taste different. It's going to have different texture. It's going to have different corn. It's going to have different barley. It's going to have different oats. Everything is probably going to be different. Even if the, the breakdown looks the same, where that companies get their feed stuff for, from is going to vary. The, the facility that that's made in is going to vary. The oils they use, the molasses they use, is all probably sourced from a different location. And if it's already different, 
and then we're going through a different environment where we're going to get warm, we're going to get hot, we're going to have to be in a cooler, we're going to have to be rinsing every day. The chances of that calf going off a of feed are a lot higher. And, and once we have a calf go off feed, it's hard to get that calf back, especially if it's a feed they don't like. And, and sometimes, sometimes that happens. Sometimes maybe the feed we've been using, maybe that company doesn't even make a finished feed. So we have to change. Um, but I think generally, if, if you've got a feed that works, you can make minor changes to it by just going and get some bags of feed, mixing in a little bit. If we've got a, a feed company that offers a finished feed and we've been using their breeder grower, or we've been using their grower developer feed, Using that same feed company for our finished feed, I think, is a good idea just simply because the products they get are going to be sourced from the same companies or the same farmers or wherever they're getting their products from are all going to be sourced the same. They're just mixing the batch differently to make it a finished feed. That usually leads to that calf not seeing a lot of difference in, in their bucket, not, not walking up to their feed bucket and going, this does not smell or taste or look anything like the feed you gave me yesterday, I don't like it. You know, I think if you use the same company, um, generally you get get good results with switching feed. I think now is a good time to switch feed. I don't, even if you feel like you need to wait 45 days or 60 days to get on a finishing feed, I think doing it today while it's cool, while we got plenty of time before it's hot, plenty of time before we're, having to put that calf in a cooler or plenty of time before we're rinsing that calf every day and working on a lot and it's hot and it's steamy and it's humid, make that switch today or as soon as possible so that if there is a little hiccup there, a little bit, well, he's still eating it, but he went from eating 20 pounds a day to only eating 15 pounds a day. Well, you can get by with feeding 15 pounds a day for a week and getting him back to that 20 to 25 to 30 pounds a day. Um, if that happens later down the road and he drops off and he's only eating 15s of pounds a day in the middle of June, that's going to be a lot harder to recover from. So that's my big thing with feed is make sure we're get, still giving him the amount we need to get to that finish weight, sit down and figure out your days, making sure that we're giving that calf enough energy, to put a fat cover on. And we get that done now. I think now's a, it's, it's a tough time of year. You know, it's getting nice out. We're all busy. We got things we want to do. We got family we want to spend time with. And it's not hot enough. We're worried about getting that calf worked every day. So sometimes this is the hardest time of year. Not a lot of showing going on. You know, towards the end of May and, and into June, usually the, the spring jackpots kind of kick back up and your local jackpots kind of kick back up. And then we're back out there comparing our calves to, to other calves around in our area. Um, but right now is kind of a hard time simply because our, our calves aren't getting out there and, and get, getting compared to other calves. So sometimes we get lackadaisical and, and uh, we get behind on that feeding or, or we get our calf in a position that we can't get back from. So that's the main thing. Be proactive. Figure out where you're at today. Manage your situation properly. Making sure that we're giving that calf enough energy to start developing a fat cover now. And uh, then by the time we get to June and July and we start hitting those fat shows, we're well well past being, um, being done, being finished, being to the point we need to be. The uh, common question on, on the podcast email line has been about protein. And uh, kind of varying rates, I think there must have been some comments on a different podcast about protein, and it kind of threw some people for a loop, I think. And I think also it's it's pretty common for lots of different families to feed protein supplements, and I think that's probably um, another reason a lot of these questions came up. And so I just thought I'd kind of cover cover protein kind of on – broad basis right here and and maybe maybe talk about it in a light that that's easier to understand and and uh without making it over complicated 
And I guess the first part of protein supplements is this. There's there's a few supplements out there that are they're designed to help your calf prevent putting on a large amount of fat through their front end. And that's usually a fitter 35 um, product or fresh and feminine product. I know there's, there's multiple others out there. Those are the two that come to mind that I've used before. Um, basically the, you know, we're going to up the protein. We know that if we up the protein in a diet, um, that inhibits the amount of fat growth, um, inhibits the amount of excess energy that is there, um, because of, of what the protein does in the body. So that's the main idea is that if we up the protein, we're going to inhibit fat growth. Um, those products are good. If you got a calf that's, that's already far along and it's already putting a lot of fat in places you don't want to put fat using a product in a, in a minor amount like that is fine this time of year. I think cutting it off before, you know, for sure, 60 days before you're going to show, I think I would cut that off. You may get some fat growth um, still developed up on that front end. Um, but if we're still feeding it and we're inhibiting fat development over the rib cage and over the hide and, and over the back and, and over the top of the tail head and things like that, uh, we're going to hurt ourselves more than, than help ourselves by doing that. So I think if, if you feel like your calf is very far along, they already look really mature. They're already carrying a lot of weight and they've got that, that extra fat up to their front end, up to their jowl and, and their um, brisket and things like that. You've definitely got 45 days here, you know, give or take where you can, you can feed a product like that. I don't, I've never seen a product like that use and see a calf go from a heavy fronted calf to a free calf. You're not going to use those products to completely flip the front end of that calf around. And I think that's maybe, maybe the confusion is in my, in my opinion, when I've seen it used generally, whatever fat they have in their front end, whatever excess fat they have today, and allows the rest of that calf to continue to grow and develop, balancing that calf out slightly, making that calf just a little bit more proportional. Um, you're not going to take a calf that is overdone and make them a freak front. You know, I, I just, I did it. I've never seen it happen. I've never seen a calf really reduce the amount of fat. Usually the way it, it, it sometimes will look that way. Usually I think what happens is, we can hold that fat development up. We can let the rest of the calf develop and grow, making that calf look more proportional. Um, so that's the main thing. If you you know if you've got a calf that you think is getting heavy front end, you're not going to make them a freak by feeding those. Um, I think that's just the way that's just the way cattle are, and and to be able to do that, you would have to feed so much of it that you're talking about a very unbalanced feed and then we're not getting any developing growth where we need it. The other part of protein is, and, and protein supplements in specific is uh, muscle for muscle growth. Protein supplements labeled to help grow muscle. Um, this is kind of... Uh, kind of maybe a simplified version but by just giving your calf more protein doesn't mean they're going to have more muscle the idea behind protein is we need to provide enough protein to allow that calf's genes to have the amount of protein it needs to develop muscle we know that that protein goes into developing muscle but it's not um, some people treat protein as if it's uh, the only way to get muscle. Well, they get muscle through their genetic makeup. And if we provide them with the proper amount of protein, balanced with the proper amount of energy and fat and, and the proper amount of fiber, then we are giving them the tools they need to grow muscle. Um, protein is not a steroid. We don't 
automatically get more muscle when we automatically give more protein. Um, there's a lot of different, a lot of different way pe ways people evaluate protein. Um, we know that in in cattle they're ruminants, so we have uh, rumen digestible protein. We have bypass protein, and each protein is is simply a a chain of amino acids. We know there's lots of different types of amino acids, and each different feedstuff will have a different protein made of, of different types of amino acids. So not all protein is created equally because each protein is made of a diff different amino acid chain. Uh, for that reason, that's why we talk about getting multiple, multiple sources for our protein and getting a balanced feedstuff that provides different amino acids of protein for that reason. Some of those, um, some of those feedstuffs are going to provide essential amino acids, and some of them are going to provide amino acids that the calf could actually develop themselves inside the body. Um, some of those proteins get digested right there in the rumen. Others are bypass protein and get digested further down um, through the digestive tract. So with that, it all can become very complicated in a hurry when you sit down, get online, and, and look at different uh, university studies and, and feed trial studies and, and look at all the different breakdowns of, of why protein is is so important and so not important in area, other areas and uh, why certain proteins work very well and other proteins don't seem to affect, have much effect on the calf's growth and development. And, and I think that's where a lot of the questions came up was, I think there were some comments in a different podcast about uh, that the protein on the tag doesn't mean anything. Well, it does as long as you look at the entire tag. If you look down to the bottom of the tag and you see barley and you see oats and you see all these different feedstuffs that you know are, are high in protein, you know, I mean, you look at oats, oats are sometimes 14% protein. Um, barley can be good for protein. Barley is also good for energy. Corn isn't a great source of protein. Um, it'll vary a lot depending on the, the area it was grown and things like that. Um, but there's lots of different feedstuffs that provide a good amount of protein. So if you see those feedstuffs on the bottom of your tag, you know that the protein makeup of that bag is coming from all these different feedstuffs. So that means that probably that calf is getting a large different breakdown of amino acids. If we just look to the bottom of the bag and we only see one feedstuff on there that we think is high in protein, or we know is high in protein because we looked up the average online of that feedstuff, um, then that calf is probably only really getting one good source of protein, one amino acid breakdown. Um, for that reason, we can then look back to the top of the tag and say, well, that 14% that protein that's in my bag is only coming from one or two sources. But if I look up in that 14% protein, is coming from eight different sources on the bottom of the bag. Now I can make that assumption that that's probably a, a good feed, a good amount of protein for that calf. I hope I didn't overcomplicate that or, or confuse you guys more, but, but the idea is still the same. We want protein derived from multiple sources, just like we want fat derived from multiple sources and fiber derived from multiple sources. Um, protein is is very important for the entire digestive tract of that calf. It's also important for muscle growth. It's important for a lot of different things that go inside that calf's body. The main thing I think is, is to keep it simple. If you look at the top of your bag and it's got the protein you think that your calf needs, you look at the bottom of your bag at the ingredient list and you can find three or four different feedstuffs in that bag that are at least 10% protein, um, we know that that calf is probably getting the amino acid breakdown that they need for their body to grow and develop properly. And if it's still not growing and developing properly, um, it may be because of the genetic 
it may be because of the genetics in that calf or the environment around that calf or something else besides just the feed. I think feed gets gets a lot of praise and it gets a lot of blame for some things that it probably shouldn't get praise and blame for. One of those being muscle growth and the amount of protein in that bag. Um, but like I said, if, if you do your own evaluations, you can get on Google and just search up uh, nutritional breakdown of oats, nutritional breakdown of barley, nutritional breakdown of rolled corn, nutritional breakdown of cottonseed, and you know nutritional breakdown of all the products that you see listed on the bottom of your bag, and then you have a pretty good idea of of how that's broken down. We don't we don't know everything. The feed companies don't provide us with all of the information. We don't actually know how many pounds of oats are in that bag and how many pounds of barley are in that bag and how many pounds of corn and how many pounds of, of wheat middlings or things like that. We don't know the actual pounds of each in that bag. Um, so there's still some assumption involved. There's still some guesswork involved um, as far as, you know, the actual breakdown of protein, the actual amount of bypass protein and rumen digestible protein and, and all these things. We don't know the exact numbers on all of them. Um, for good reason, the feed companies want to protect themselves and keep their recipes somewhat um, private. So generally, you're not going to get all the information you would need to make an exact idea, an exact breakdown of that feed that you're giving your calf. But in general form, you can make a good assumption that, that if you see good products on the bottom, you see good amounts on the top, it's going to be a good feed for your calf. Um, if you feel like your calf is, is behind on muscle, there are plenty of good um, supplements out there that, that, that are derived from, you know, if, if they're in pelleted form or, or powder form, however they come. Generally, when you look at those, if, if they've been made for show cattle, um, generally they're, they're a product that has a lot of different sources of protein in them um, that, that you can get, give to your calf and, and get some extra growth muscle growth out of them if that's something they're lagging in right now. Um, but lots of times that's a genetic factor or a environmental factor more than it is a feed factor. Um, so I hope that kind of clarifies everything for you guys. Um, can't really make choices for you or, or give you too much information without knowing your cattle, without knowing the bags that you're feeding. Um, but in general form, that'll kind of hopefully answer some of those questions. Um, if you are going to up the protein in that bag, we kind of talked about this before with the finished feed needing to be lower on protein. If you feel like you're behind on muscle growth, you need to get that done now, get that done for 30 days and then get that product back out of that, out of that feed ration so that that calf fat towards the end is going to have enough energy to put a fat cover on. Um, ideally you do that back in January and February when we talked about these things, um, even into March and April beginning of April if you need to, pushing into the several months when it's hot, the calf is having to burn ener extra energy just to do the, the daily things. Keeping that protein a little bit lower um, will help help finish that calf off. As far as feeding goes with, with our breeding heifers, it's going to be pretty simple. If, if we've bred our heifers or we're going to breed our heifers in the past 40 days, in the next 40 days, Try to keep your feet as balanced and as um, even keeled as possible. You've been feeding 20 pounds or 15 pounds wherever you're at for your breeding heifers. Um, try not to jump a whole bunch in feed or drop a whole bunch in feed or be changing in supplements, changing in this and that during breeding season. I think that that can definitely pay play a factor in in the availability for that heifer to get bred. We obviously need to be giving that, that calf enough energy and enough good nutrients they need to be able to breed. But um, changing it back and forth a lot on a breeding heifer this time of year is it can be kind of difficult for that developing embryo and that, that developing fetus. Um, so keep those things in mind. One of the main things I've seen lately is uh, we need to get more fill on our heifers. We need to get more fill. She's just not filled. Um I, I kind of still think the same way. Uh, a heifer that's got enough balanced feed, we're giving it enough natural feed that she's 
far along in maturity. She's carrying a lot of fat, a lot of weight. Um, those heifers are a lot easier to get a full filled look than a heifer we've been holding back and only giving fill to. Um, fill products were great, but they weren't great on top of a, a good amount of a good balanced feed. They don't work great if we cut a bunch of feed out to put filler in. I think that's that's generally the problems I see, the problems you know you see post on, on social media and I've got a couple questions and pictures of of cattle that that their main complaint is they can't get fill. And as soon as I see the calves, the first thing I think is they don't need fill, they need feed. Uh, you know, they, it's not that they you're going to be able to use a filler product and have them look the way they want. You need to get feed in front of that calf. You need to get some actual pounds of a balanced feed in front of that calf for the next 45, 50 days. And then keep them on that feed and trickle in some feeder, some fill, some whatever product we're going to use as our filler product, trickle some into the, t- to the top. Um, I think that usually those cattle that were complaining, we need our, this fill product's not working. That fill product's not working. We can't get our calf to look full and fat and developed. And, uh, and they always look like they're, um, flanky or they look like they're sucked in behind their rib cage. Um, generally if we've got that calf on a good amount of feed, they won't have that problem. And then we can add a filler product and even get a better look out of them, a better fill out of them. Um, but most of the ones that I've got on email, most of the ones I've seen on social media, people looking for the best fill product for their heifers. If I see a picture with it, 99% of the time that heifer doesn't need a fill product. She needs twice as much feed as she's been getting. Um, and I think that's, that's just my personal opinion. I know there's people out there that, that rave about fill products and, and they feed a lot of them and, and think they do a great job. I think, um, no matter if we're talking about a show heifer, a commercial cow standing out in the pasture, um, you know, they always look best on full feed. They always look best when, um, they've been given the opportunity to eat a lot of a very good balanced, uh, ration. And I think you can look, look to cattle in our area, um, you know, during the summers, they usually all go north, spend time on, on green, good sandhill grass. And then uh, during the winters, they spend time here eating, uh, eating corn stalks. And uh, you can compare and contrast that, um, you know, when they're here during the winter, they have as many corn stalks and shucks and, and uh, high fiber product as they can possibly eat. You know, they're eating, you know, 50 plus pounds of that a day easily. And uh, you go look at those cattle and it's not that they're behind on weight or they're thin, um, but you never see a, a cow out on corn stalks that looks completely filled out and full and developed and has a great look to her. They look like that during the summer when they've got that well-balanced, good amount um, of, of grass that's perfect for what their rumen and their digestive system needs, that's when they look their best. And I think when you take that over to the show cattle side, if we give that heifer a well-balanced feed that's, that's made properly, it's got a good amount of protein, a good amount of fat, a good amount of fiber, it's all working in conjunction together, we get an animal that looks like that, looks like everything's working in conjunction together. If we take that show heifer and we cut down our feed so that we can throw a whole bunch of fiber and fill at her, generally that's an unbalanced unbalanced feed that leads to a very unbalanced look in our show heifers. Um, that's just kind of my opinion. I think fill fiber products have a, have a place, but I think that place is sitting on top of a uh, well-balanced feed, not in place of that well-balanced feed. So just something I wanted to hit there. Kind of to finish up this episode, just wanted to talk a little bit about getting our calf shed out. Um, it's a good time of year. we got 120 days left to our show, our finished show, or uh, somewhere in that range, maybe 150 days if you're going to push closer to fall for your finished show. 
Um, get you a shed comb. You can get a shed comb from about any company. Go online and look up a shed comb. It's basically a metal comb, small metal comb that kind of has uh, that kind of has uh, hook looking bristles on it instead of a, a straight or comb looking bristle. And uh, basically, that comb is designed to go through that hair coat and kind of remove some of the old and dead or, or some of that underlayment of hair. We can get to one of those combs and, and kind of the best thing to do is start down the middle of the back, work the comb down, work all that hair down, and then work all that hair forward again. Do that a few times. Um, you can do that over about two weeks. Hit them a few times a week for about two weeks and you'll have most of that older winter hair removed. It kind of leaves room for the next hair coat to start. So by the time we get to end of summer, we can develop a new hair coat. Uh, also kind of help you keep that calf looking looking proper when we start showing in June. Um, you know, if you're not going to show till till fall now or something like that, you can get yourself a pair of clippers and clip that hair coat down a ways. Um, but usually I think the best option is just to get a shed comb, you know, rinse that calf out, blow them out, shed them out with the shed comb, blow them out again, do that a few times. Um, if you can spend about two weeks doing doing that a lot, getting a lot of that hair removed, that calf's going to be cooler when they we start getting warmer. They're going to be easier to work with. They're going to be easier to keep clean. That usually leads to a, a good hair coat starting to develop for that end of summer show. Um, kind of last thing to hit on this podcast is I kind of had a couple questions, and I think this is a good time of year for those questions and that's just about facilities you know sometimes we're limited on facilities or we're limited on the room we have or the type of barn we have or if we have a barn um, now is a great time to kind of think about those things to plan ahead for that 100 degree week that 110 day whatever kind of temperatures we're going to have during our hot season kind of plan ahead for that now it uh it's a lot easier to set up your facilities now, spend some time, even if you don't spend another dollar in your facilities, just spend the time now to think about them. Think about how you're going to work your calf this summer so that when it comes to working your calf in the heat of summer, they can be comfortable during the day and in a small amount of time we can get our calf worked. We can get our calf rinsed off, cooled down, blown out, comb, whatever we're going to do that day, make it efficient for you to get your calves in. We all know how busy we get during the summer. We all know, you know, we want to go fishing, we go to the lake, we, we've got t-ball, we got baseball, we got softball, we've got track meets still, we've got, we got all these things going on in the summer that if it takes us four hours to work calves because we got to walk and play across here and it takes us a while to catch them and then we got to do this and we got to do that, the amount of times we're going to work that calf is probably pretty limited. If, if we can limit that amount of time it takes us to catch our calf, limit the amount of time it takes us to get our calf to a wash rack, to get our calf caught and tied up and worked and blown out and tied, turned back out, if that doesn't take us very long, we're a lot more likely to do it more often. And usually when I go around and, and clip calves for county fair season or, or evaluate calves during the summer, it's not always the nicest facilities, but it's the facilities that are most efficient, generally have the best hair coat, the tamest calves, and have been worked with the most. I think that's that kind of is the reason is it was a lot easier for them to get back at 8 o'clock in the evening and only have an hour of daylight left and still be able to get that calf worked. Or going to be gone for the day, but before we leave... We're going to run our calves in and work them because it only takes us an hour to get them all rinsed out, blowed out, turned out where they're nice and cooled and they're uh, clean and and uh, they've been tied up again. And uh, that leads to a tamer calf, that leads to a cooler calf, that leads to a calf that's maybe even managed more properly just by having our facility set up more efficiently. Um, so that's, that's kind of my two cents for that. Um, like I said, everybody's going to be on a different 
physical range, everybody's going to have a different amount of room they have available, a different barn set up, a different way to keep their calves cool. Um, but in broad strokes, I think spending a little time making your facilities efficient for you right now will lead to a uh, lot more prosperous summer for your for your cattle. With that, like I said before, email back to the barn at gmail.com. Hit me up with any questions. We got through calving season. Um, we got some calves worked the other day. And uh, hopefully now my evenings I can uh, start sitting down and doing some more of these and, and have some more consistent episodes for you guys. I know I've kind of been back and forth on that and it's been hard um, to find the time in the evenings for me to sit down and do these, but I, I do enjoy doing them and uh, I enjoy hearing back from you guys on the email and hopefully we're going to hit some more topics to answer some more of those questions and keep this thing rolling. Um, I've got uh, kind of our next episodes I think are going to be we're going to cover some equipment. We may uh, start tying some of these to some YouTube videos so that uh, maybe I'll get some equipment together and kind of show you guys the the combs and clippers and, and clipper blades and, and uh, products and all that that I like to use, um, that, uh, that I like to use in my barn. Maybe some uh, things that I've seen customers use in their barns. Just kind of start covering some of that and, and maybe some visual help might help with some YouTube. Uh, if I uh, post a podcast, it's going to be dual played on YouTube. I'll make sure I state that at the beginning of, uh, of the episode. So if you want to go catch that and uh, be able to view some of those things, we'll, we'll do that. And then we're going to do some clipping. Uh, as we get, get closer, further down the road, we start clipping some calves. I want to do some better better videos. I know... There's plenty of videos out there um, on clipping calves, but I usually have trouble finding ones that are actually good enough for me to share with somebody and then be able to pick up things and use on their own cattle. Lots of times it's uh, it's either bad video or it's from a bad angle or it's more about pushing a, a product or a type of clipper than it is about... Um, actually talking about how, how to clip a calf and how to visually evaluate your cattle for clipping. So with that, um, I'd, I'd like to do some better videos and maybe tie them to a podcast as well. And uh, I think that, that that would be good for about everybody to look at. And uh, maybe I can get a couple other people to clip with me and we can kind of go through a calf and, and break down um, the areas and the hair and the type of hair and, and how we clip things differently. Um, a lot of things that don't get covered on most of those clipping videos. So with that, um, we're going to sign off on this one. Thank you for tuning in. I appreciate you guys listening. Um, share this podcast around, hit follow, hit like, um, try to spread this around. I think the bigger it gets, the uh, better it will be for everybody, the better information I can suit for individuals with individual problems with their show calves and uh, maybe I can learn some more too it's been nice having that email and having um, some people send me things that are maybe some different techniques and stuff that I haven't seen before um, so I think this is this is going to turn into a pretty cool thing if we keep it going I appreciate you guys listening in as always thank you we'll see you next time